Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we're reading 1 Kings 5, which raises the question, what is the significance of the temple for us today? Candidly, today's chapter, at first glance, can seem like it's really just about lumber and isn't very significant. But if that's the conclusion we draw, we're missing out on a lot. Friends, the time is here in 1 Kings 5. The promised moment from all the way back in 2 Samuel has arrived. The temple is finally going to be built. Back in 2 Samuel 7, David saw the need for God's dwelling place to accurately reflect God's glory. Remember, at that time, God's presence was dwelling in the tabernacle, which was basically a big tent. And if you want to do a refresher on the tabernacle, we'll link an episode for you in the description of today's episode. But think about it. David had genuinely hoped he would be the one to help upgrade God's home. He wasn't the one for the job. But today, we'll see the beginning of that project start to take place as Solomon begins to get the supplies for building in order. It's kind of like this. Have y'all heard or seen the videos, reels, or TikToks that say things like, when the trip finally makes it out of the group chat, and then it's all these amazing clips from that person's vacation? Or maybe you've tossed an idea out to your friends to check out a new museum, a new restaurant, or a new park, but it never really happens? Personally, this past summer, I went on a beach trip with my girl cousins, my aunt, my mom, and my sister. And the whole time, we kept saying that we couldn't believe the trip actually happened. We'd never done a girl's trip before and thought it would be nearly impossible to align our schedules, but there we were, enjoying the beach together. After the trip, my younger cousin even posted about it with a caption that read, when the trip makes it out of the group chat. It was so exciting for us because, well, Let's be honest, most of the time, the idea sounds great in the group chat, the group text, or in conversation, but it's rare that we actually pull the trigger and plan the trip, really make true on what we texted about. That same type of feeling was going on back in 2 Samuel. We knew David wouldn't actually make the temple, so which son would, who would, and when? When would these plans come to fruition, or would they? Listen to what 2 Samuel 7, 2 through 3 says about David's hopes for the temple. Back then, 2 Samuel 7, the king David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But then, later on, God says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That's 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. So fast forward, now here in 1 Kings 5, the timing is finally perfect. If David would have tried to build the temple during his reign, there would have been war, bloodshed, and a lack of stability on every side. However, in this present political moment for Israel, with Solomon as king, the timing is perfect. 1 Kings 5.4 But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so, verse 5, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord said to David my father. 
Solomon starts off this plan with a political arrangement for supplies from Hiram, the king of Tyre. And this deal really works in favor for both of them. The plans to build the temple are finally coming together. One commentator puts it like this. God has given Solomon the rest on every side that he had promised David, so much so that there is neither adversity or misfortune. This picture reflects God's intended result. When the people of Israel have a wise ruler and they walk in obedience to God's commandments, the time is right for the temple building project, divinely ordained as the task for David's successor. The timing's right. The supplies are coming in, and now all they had to do was build. The temple being built meant that God would have a permanent dwelling place with his people in their home. Up until this point, the tabernacle was still the tent version of the place for God's presence to rest. Think about the Israelites wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. It was temporary and portable. Even though God's people had moved into their new home up until this point, they were still using the portable tent, and that just didn't make sense. David's desire to have a permanent space for God's presence to dwell, specifically a place that was ornate, was a testimony to his love for God. And the same is true for Solomon. Solomon didn't want to build the temple for his own vanity or his own desire. We read about this just the other day in 1 Kings 3.3. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. But there's a sad twist that is worth mentioning now as we'll continue to study the temple. This temple is not the actual permanent dwelling place of God. Some sources say that around really less than 500 years later, the temple is destroyed. We know it's destroyed for sure. When is is debatable. And we'll read more about this in 2 Kings. The failures of the people will result in the temple's inevitable destruction. Where would God dwell with his people if there was no temple? Insert the greatest news of all time. Jesus. The New Testament consistently shows us that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the Old Testament laws. In Matthew 12, there's actually a comparison made between Jesus and Solomon. Because Jesus, well, he's the greater Solomon. Yes, Solomon was political savvy, wise in the Lord, and genuinely started off strong as king. But as we'll see, he did end up failing. And the greater Solomon, Jesus, has come. He's the God-man, God in human flesh. He came and dwelt among us. Some theologians study and show that when we read in John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is synonymous with the word tabernacle. So put it all together like this. The tabernacle, God's presence in a tent. The temple, God's presence in a building. But Jesus, God himself taking on human form to be with us. Some theologians call him God the Son incarnate. But the good news doesn't stop there. As another layer is that now God has sent the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in believers. That's, that's us who know Christ. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16 reads, Jesus is God with us, but now that he has ascended, we are the new temple, if you will. If you're a believer in Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians 1 reads, starting in verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." God's spirit resides in us. 
We no longer have a need for a physical building because through Christ, we have access to God and assurance of our salvation. So as we continue to read about Solomon, this should give us hope. We'll get to see how intricate the temple was. And the temple should be well-kept, beautiful, on purpose, and representative of the one who dwells in it. Yet, the same is true for believers today. You are the new temple, so to speak, or said differently, Christians are like a treasure in jars of clay, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. The work of the Holy Spirit tabernacling in us is a gift and treasure in simple, undeserving vessels. So how might we respond to the passage we've read today? We see lumber gathered. We're reminded that God keeps his promises, but we can also look forward to the better temple under the new covenant. Take spiritual inventory as we're going to continue to study the building of the temple over the next um, several days and join the journey. In your own walk with Jesus, do you consider yourself as a temple? And if not, why? What's holding you back from being like Solomon, loving the Lord so much you want to honor him where his presence is, which happens to be in you? How do you steward your body? Do you act as though the Spirit resides or lives in you? Do you take care of yourself, make wise decisions physically? God's presence today isn't simply in tents or buildings, but in people. It's a new place of dwelling. If you are a believer in Christ, His Spirit lives in you. So how can you live, how can we live and remind ourselves of this truth today as we yield to the Spirit's leadership in our lives? That's all we've got time for today. Special thanks to our Watermark Institute fellow, Hannah Stobbs, for helping me prepare for this episode. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.